Welcome to our Think Kingdom podcast. This week, guest pastor Andy Williamson of Factory Church kicks off our new series, Beyond. Let's hear what God's Word has for us from guest pastor Andy Williamson. I'm going to tell you this. I, I had nothing planned for you guys until this morning. Um, the way that my, my Sundays work, and forgive me if I, I sound scratchy, because um, I feel like I've chain-smoked 100 cigarettes since last night. We had a big service of our own last night, in my, uh, and so you go kind of hard, right, and, and you enjoy yourself, and you do your thing, and, and then we were there tearing down. Uh, we're a set-up and tear-down church, and we were tearing things down, and we usually, at the end of a, of a service that's, uh, that's, that's big, like, like what you guys are having today, is we, um, after we've worked really hard, then we, we, we order a lot of carby foods, right? Like, you know, cheese fries and, and, and chicken wings and, and uh, you know, all the things, right? And, and so we're sitting there getting ready to eat. And, and I said to one of my, my close friends, and he said, so, you know, you're ready for tomorrow. And I, I said, I'm, I'm ready to wake up tomorrow. I, I'm not ready for what this is. And so I'm a routine person, and, and I feel that God meets me um, in certain routines that I have. And so I make room to make sure that I can hear from him. Because what we do on, on these days like, like today, these are important days. See, we could go to church and, and be in church. And I've grown up in church my entire life. My, my dad was an old pastor. My granddad was an old pastor. And I've been to church. But there's something different when you actually become church. And when that body starts to unify together and you start to move in a, in a rhythm and in a sound, if you will. And every house has a sound. Every single house has a sound of that house. And so for me, I started to, um, to, to, to get ready for what we had in our service, which was on a Saturday night. And then we don't have a service this morning which my dad would think is, you know, that's a, the fast track to hell, right? Because you have to have a, you know, a service on Sunday morning. He still thinks it's not going to work. But uh, at the end of this, um, I knew that I was, was off um, today, and, and I was going back and forth with your pastor, and he asked me if I would, um, if I would speak. And to be honest, this is, um, this is a terrible idea. Terrible. Because, like, this is hard to prepare for let alone do what you just did the night before, and then you're out. I left, the, I left some of my team around 11.30. They were still cleaning up, and I know in order to prepare properly for you guys, my spirit has to be prepared. So I usually start that process in the mid-3 o'clock hour, and I do that for my own church every Sunday. And so I got up this morning um, at 3 and change, and God gave me a word. And I thought it was a word. I thought there was something that I had been talking back and forth with, with your pastor about. And he has a word on him for your season. Now, let me talk about seasons for a second. Seasons are really important. Obviously, God thinks they're important because he changes them every quarter. So as he changes those seasons, they're important that we operate with that same mindset of seasons are, being, are, are very important. And if you don't realize how important a season is to God, then you're going to miss the season he has you coming into and the season that he has you leaving. And to me, I was listening to your pastor the last couple of months and he was telling me that he felt that there was a word that God was giving him that was a word and he was having a hard time getting it out. And the word kind of had a manifestation of the word beyond. 
And, and I, the first thing that I felt in my spirit when he said beyond, I felt stretch. And, but he didn't want to come straight out and say beyond because he didn't want to seem like he actually heard a word from the Lord. And also to claim that you are going to move beyond is a bold claim. Because what if you don't? So what you do is you play it safe. Think about this. When you have a word and you don't absolutely believe it, but you know that it's in you and you want to give it, but you don't give it with full just, you know, belief, you kind of whisper the thing and look for affirmation. And the problem is, is that when you're looking for affirmation from somebody else, when God's giving you a word, it's just, it's yours. And so the, the, the word when he starts to talk about beyond, and we went to this one passage and, and we started to think about abundantly more and more. Beyond is more, right? More, stretch. Sorry, I'm going to learn the room. And the whole nine yards, right? And you think about these things and, and, and that's what, what we started to talk about. And I thought that there was a passage and me and him were going back and forth and he saved that passage for the last few weeks. He saved it for me. And he didn't preach on it, right, preacher? You didn't, you didn't pe- preach on it. And he thought that I would be the one, the best way, best person to, to, to teach that passage. And it's a passage in, in Ephesians. But he was wrong. Because this morning when I started to go through, and I've been writing for the last three or four weeks for you guys. I've been writing things that I've been feeling that God's been pouring into me and depositing in me. And I knew that we were going to get to that Ephesians uh, passage. I was hanging with him on Friday afternoon. And we were meeting on this. And last night I was going over it late at night, got home, you know, 1145 or so. And I, and I started to go over that passage again. And then this morning he took me to another passage and I said, okay, well, how do I get back to that one that I'm supposed to teach? And he said, that's not yours. I gave it to him. He's hiding from that because to believe in what God has put inside him takes big faith. You know what else it takes? Family. People. And so God gave me something to deposit in you and to set him up for his future. And I absolutely believe that you're about to roll into a new season. I so believe it. Would you mind if I had some fun this morning and gave you something that God gave me for you guys? So I'm going to teach you something. And then I have a passage, Justin, that I'll tell you when to, to, to throw it up there. So this, this story that I'm going to give you, I found this story back in Maine. I thought it was for my church, and I was pumped. Now I'm sad because it's really good, and I don't get to use it. So it comes from Judges 6, and it's a story. You mind if I just tell you a little bit of a story? The story's wild. It says, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. That hasn't changed in Kannapolis either. Continues to happen. So the Lord handed them over to a group called the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made, made hiding places to hide away from them. And they, they lived in mountains and caves and, and strongholds. And whenever the Israelites planted their crops to try to eat, a, a group of Midianites and the Amaleks and the people of the east would attack Israel and wait for them to do all the work and they would get, get the harvest. They would camp in the land, destroying all the crops as far away as, Gaza, as the Gaza Strip. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking 
all the sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. These enemies were hoarders, and they came with their livestock and tents, and they were as thick as locusts, meaning I couldn't even see as far as I could see. That's how many people were showing up. They arrived in droves and on camels, too numerous uh, to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. So they did all of the work and they still were dying. Then the Israelites finally cried out to the Lord for help. Isn't it something that we wait till the very end? Then it says, when they cried out to the Lord for help, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. I couldn't figure out what prophet this was, uh, uh, Pastor. What are you doing on that phone over there? You ain't taking no notes. So I'm, I'm over here trying to figure out what this prophet was. And it was a prophet that they believed was named Phineas. And it's not even the one that I'm actually feeling like God was leading me towards. But sometimes it takes somebody else to speak into you to get your attention. And so it says, it said this, it said, um, when they cried out to the Lord, the Lord sent a prophet, and he said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of slavery from Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove you out, and I drove the enemies out of your land. I told you that I am the Lord, your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites, whose land you now live in, but you have not listened to me. You've done whatever you wanted. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree. Like, what are you talking about? So all of a sudden, an angel starts to appear, sits underneath this big tree, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer. Gideon, the son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press, hid from the grain from the Midianites. So there's a man named Gideon that's trying to make food to hide it so his family can eat. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, he said this, preacher, he said this word, mighty hero. The Lord is with you. Like, what an amazing title. Mighty hero. Mighty hero to the guy that's hiding, trying to make a little grain. What? That don't make no sense. Mighty hero? And so Gideon knew that because he says, sir, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, huh? He says that the Lord is with us. Why has all of this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? You ever felt like that? Then he says, didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites? See, what he's doing right now is he's speaking of his current situation because he can't see future. So he's speaking from a current situation. And then he says, then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have. Well, obviously, I ain't got no strength. I'm hiding, trying to make some food so they don't steal it. What good am I? And if you're going to show up as an angel... Don't tell me to go with the strength I have because I ain't got much of it. Amen. Give me a little bit more. Yeah. But see, I thought it was really interesting that the Lord told him, no, go with what you have. All right, so hold on. So go with the strength you have and rescue Israel, Israel from the Midianites. Oh, by the way, I'm sending you. He says this, but Lord, I don't know about you, but I can tell you this. God doesn't care about no buts. He doesn't. When he is sending you and he is calling you, you cannot give him a but. The but is in between you and the harvest that is coming for you. So he's making an excuse. He says, but Lord, how can I rescue Israel? 
My clan, my area, my church is the weakest and smallest in town. And I am in the least of my entire family. The Lord said, yeah, I know, but I'm with you. And you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. So what ended up happening is God is speaking future because he's the God of future. Please be careful when you're living in the current. As a believer, our current is never our future story. Our current is an opportunity for God to move. And so what happens is, is God is speaking future, but he is living current. So Gideon replied, if you are truly going to help me, show me a sign, because we do these things. I love it how we always uh, look down on like Peter, oh, doubting Peter, he walked on water, but then he fell in. The other 11 didn't get out. I think we actually have the story wrong. See, I think, we think everyone in the boat's like, oh, Peter, no faith. Peter's like, did you see me? You see me? You see what I did? See what I did? No one else did that. See, we over here, sitting over here in the Western world, think like, oh, poor Peter, he fell in the water. Peter's like, yeah, oh, wow. He said, I'm the only one that did it. Jesus, he don't count because he does other things. But I did that. We think people are looking down on Peter. No. Peter has a whole different idea. It goes like this. Love this. It says, but Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? I have nothing. And Gideon said, if you truly are going to help me, show me a sign. Don't go away until I come back and, 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 and show me a sign. The next verse after he asks the angel, he's not even talking to God yet to show him a sign. The next verse in 18 says, don't go away until I come back and bring my offering to you. There's no context between 17 and 18. Show me a sign, and then the next verse, I'll be right back. He must have shown him something. I'm gonna be right back, and I'm bring, not only am I gonna be right back, I'm bringing you an offering. So he showed him something. And then the angel says, I'll be here when you return. Gideon hurried home. He cooked a young goat. And with the basket of flour, he baked some bread with yeast. Then carrying the meat in the basket and brought in a pot, he brought them out and presented them to the angel, which was under the great tree, which I'm not sure what angels do during the time you're cooking a little something. You got to get a goat. I'm assuming I never done anything like this. I never killed a goat, skinned the thing. I'm sure it's a process. So all of a sudden, the angel's over there, and I'm not sure if he's hungry or not. I don't know how that all works. But all of a sudden, he comes back, and, and, he, and he brings it, brings it, and the angel of God said, Good, place the meat and the unleavened bread on this rock right here, and pour the broth over it. And Gideon did as he was told. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and bread with the tip of the staff in his hand. Fire flamed up from the rock, consumed all that he had brought, and the angel of the Lord then magically disappears. This is terrible. Where'd he go? It's crazy. Like, I don't know about you, but you just read that and think it's normal? Not normal. I don't know about, I mean, unless you've been doing something I haven't figured out. So all of a sudden, the angel disappears. It says, when Gideon realized that the angel of the Lord, that this, this person was an angel of the Lord, he cries out this. I love this. Oh, sovereign Lord, I'm doomed. Wait a minute. You just had this amazing experience. And he obviously showed you something. 
He showed him something, something so good that he went back. Because remember, just a little bit of a while ago, they're hiding food because it's being stolen from them. Now you're going to kill something that would feed your family for a long time and give it to this man? He's seen something. And now the person that whatever he did is gone? I'm left with nothing. Once again, left with nothing. And all of a sudden, he starts saying, I've seen an angel face to face, Lord, and I'm doomed. You're, you're, you're not here. God said, it's all right. He said, it's all right. Do not be afraid. You won't die because of this. So Gideon goes and does something that I think we should be doing. He goes and he builds an altar to give sacrifice to the Lord. And they haven't had an altar like this yet. Because they had other altars to things that they thought were more important. And it was not to the God of Israel. So what ends up happening is, Gideon goes down to the hilltop, to the sanctuary, and it says that he built an altar, but he laid stones carefully. So details matter. He sacrificed the bull as a burnt offering on the altar. He pulled down the pagan pole that was there to the other gods. And it says, so Gideon took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord had commanded, but he did it all at night because he was afraid of the other members of his father's household and the people of the town. Faith can happen even when you're scared, and sometimes it happens at night. But he did it. He walked through it. It says, early the next morning as the people of the town began to stir, someone discovered that the altar of Baal had been broken down and that, and that the pole that was there to the, to the god of Asher was, was cut down and a new place there had been built and, and on it the remains of a bull that had been sacrificed. The people said to each other, who did this? And after asking around and making careful search, they learned that it was Gideon, the son of Joash. You can't trust nobody. You take 10 of your friends to go do something at night and some word gets out, right? Can't untrust anybody. All of a sudden word gets out. And then, and then this is what it says in verse 30. It says, bring out your son, the men of the town demanded of Joash because he must die. Like how does it have to go that extreme, that quick? Can we talk about this a little bit? Hey, I really am offended. My feelings are hurt. I'm leaving the church. So we get that all the time, right? I don't even reply anymore. Whatever. Here's the deal. I'm going to kill you. Like, hold on, why can't we just talk about this a little bit? Extreme emotions, oftentimes extreme, brings on extreme disasters. Be careful which way your emotions start to, to move. Because they will bring extreme challenges. It says, but Joash shouted to the mob that confronted him. Why are you defending Baal? Will you argue his case? Whoever pleads his case will be put to death by morning. I love that sometimes a father has to come to, to fight our battles. And the father made that altar to Baal. And now he's willing to fight for his son because he may be on to something. From then on, Gideon was called Jerubbabel, which means let Baal defend himself on his own. Because he broke down Baal's altar. And I believe that when Gideon got that name, Pastor Antoine, I believe that he was marked. He was marked and he was given a word. He was marked. And I started to think about you with beyond in abundance. 
And I think there's a synonym to this word, which is stretch. Because you can't get more standing in the same place you are yesterday. More, more takes effort. More takes, takes exertion. More takes willingness. More in the spiritual takes spiritual effort, which is faith. More cannot happen without you making a move. And I believe Gideon was marked by the name he was given. I believe that this church is marked by beyond. But you will not receive it until you activate it. So let me show you this. It says, soon afterwards, the armies of, of Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east formed an alliance against Israel. Like, man, that's terrible. And crossed the Jordan River, camping in the valley of Jezreel. So I love this where it says in verse 33, it says, soon after, soon after he just got a victory in his life. Like, I hate that. Let me enjoy my victory for a little longer. Soon after, just as you get a little faith and victory, a new challenge came quick. So this should teach us, do not be surprised with the soon afters. The soon afters are going to come. And in fact, they're necessary. Any adult in here that has kids understand the soon after. We used to feel a certain way when we were kids. Man, I got to go to school at 3 o'clock. You get lunch and some kind of PE class and some kind of thing where they put you in a room and it's like you're studying for an hour. This seems like a good deal. But when we're at that age, we can't see that that's not bad. Because now all of a sudden you got to go to work. And that bad. That's bad, right? It can be. See, you can't gain muscle without resistance. Soon afters are important. Now, when you walk out that faith, he won't leave you alone. He's not calling you to something that he won't already be ahead of you with. All right? So watch this. I've noticed that God has a roadmap for us. See, but roadmaps are important to understand because if you get a wrong map that isn't accurate, then you're off course. So it's good to know that a comes from a reputable place, right? So he's given us a roadmap, and keep that in mind. Because I love this. When you understand where that roadmap is coming from and you activate it, then verse 34 happens, which says, then the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power. I'll take that all day. The spirit of the Lord clothed him with power. Now I'll tell you, Jesus was very clear. When he was talking about the Holy Spirit coming, he said, it's to your advantage that I leave. Now, I don't know about you, but God the Father, I can kind of understand. It's this thing. Jesus, I like a lot because he does things, and I can, you know, phys- there. The Holy Spirit's a little mystical. A little strange. Don't know where he's at. But Jesus is actually saying, no, that's the one. You actually want Instead of me. So it says the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power. So Gideon goes and he blows a ram's horn. And he calls to arms and the men and the clan of, uh, of Abiezer. And, and it came to him and he also sent messengers throughout Manasseh, Zebulun, Naphtali, summon, summoning all the warriors. And guess what? All of them responded. But remember, what good do I have and my little clan worth nothing? Seems like he was raising up a leader, even when he couldn't see it. See, oftentimes we don't know what the outcome is 
Because we didn't make the map. We just got to follow the journey. Then it goes on and says this. Then Gideon said to God, if you are truly going to use me to rescue Israel as you promise, remember, prove it to me. Let me just know one more time. As if nobody was following you yesterday and now you got a full-blown army. That's not enough? Okay, I'm gonna, I want you to test them. Test you, Lord. I want you to know. I want to know what you're actually doing. It says, prove to me in this way. I will put a wool fleece out on the threshing floor tonight. If that fleece is wet. You've been to, anybody ever been to Sunday school? They, they taught this with a little flanograph. Sunday school is a great thing. It's just a terrible, terrible marketing word. Nobody wants to go to school on Sunday, but it does a good thing, right? So, so we learned this as kids. He puts out this, this wool fleece, and he, says, and he says, listen, in the morning time, I want to know if you're going to help me rescue Israel. There's dew in the morning, but the ground is dry. I will know that if this fleece is wet and the ground is dry, that you're, you're on my side. And this is just what happened. When Gideon got up early the next morning, he squeezed the fleece and wrung out a whole bowl full of water. And the rest of the drown was dry. All right. Then Gideon said to God, hey, listen, that was good. That was a good trick. You've seen tricks like that before, right, Dan? That was a good trick. And he says this. Have your kids ever said this to you? Please don't be angry with me, but I have one more request. Because as if what you just did for them was not good enough. We're just like that. He says, let me use this fleece one more test. This time, I want this fleece to remain dry while the ground around it is completely wet with dew. So that night, God did as Gideon asked, and the fleece was dry in the morning, but the ground was covered with dew. We love to double-check God, don't we? I love how patient and caring he was. The thing is, the plan never changed. Something we can waste time on when we're double-checking, but the plan in the journey still remains. You can check, double-check, double-check, second-guess, but when God has put something in your belly and he has told you to move, that plan does not change. You may change. He doesn't change. So then it goes on, and, and as, I, as I start to close this out in Judges 7, it says, So Gideon and his army got up early and went as far as the spring of Herod. The armies of Midian were camped north of them in the valley near the, the hill of Moriah. The Lord said to Gideon, you got too many warriors. Now, when you're going to war, there's no such thing as too many warriors. Nothing. No, I want all the warriors. In fact, I want my next door neighbor's warriors too. Because when I go to win a, a battle, I don't want to kind of win. I want to win-win. So all of a sudden, he said, you got too many warriors. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Gets it. He says, therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. Oh, yeah, it sounds like a very bad plan. Because we need all the people in church doing all the things that church people need to be doing. And then it says this. So 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000. It's a bad, bad plan. Lord told Gideon, oh, there's, still, there's still a lot of them. I don't know, there's still too many. He said, bring them down to the spring and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. 
says, when Gideon took his warriors to the water, the Lord told him, divide men into two groups. And one group put all those who cup water in their hands and drink with their head up, with their tongues like a dog. And the other group put all of those who kneel down and drink water right down there from the spring. Separate the two of them. Can't you see it all go down, right? See, because many of you think you know the, 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 the plan in the, in the, in the vision for, for this church, but you don't because it's his. Because I don't know about you, but all through Scripture, God is speaking to his man, not to his people. He speaks to his man, to his people. But sometimes his man double guesses, second guesses, gets nervous. And you know what the best remedy for that man is? A group of people that hold up that man's hand and says, we believe that you are called. We believe that you are anointed. We believe that you are the one. We believe that you are there. We, are, we believe that you are our leader. So just because you're God's chosen does not mean that you are not immune to feel the same way all of us feel every day. So here's what's really neat. Gideon's walking around. He's got 10,000 of these guys, right? And he starts to put this thing out, Dion. He's putting this thing out, and he's saying, listen, go ahead and get a drink of water. But you know he's walking around, and somebody that he really likes gets down there and gets ready to do that. And he said, don't be doing that. Don't be doing that. Because he starts drinking like that. You know he's out. See, because what happens is God already showed God's man who he is choosing, but I have a different plan because I know better than God. So what I want to do is I want to alter God's plan to best fit my needs. So he gets down there and he sees people drinking a certain way. Sorry, that's a bad spot. And he gets them drinking a certain way. And as they start drinking a certain way, he's like, that one is a good warrior. But he's not who God chose. So all of a sudden he separates the two, the two groups. And there is a really big group out of 10,000. There is 9,700 people that got down and down on the floor. 300 of them picked their face up. And God said, there you go. That's them right there. See, the Lord said to Gideon, with these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. So Gideon collected the provisions and the ram's horns from all the other warriors and sent them home, but he kept the 300 men with him. What I believe is victory comes when you trust, not when you reason. Oftentimes, victory is lost when you reason. The Midianite camp was in the valley just below Gideon. That night, the Lord said, get up, go. Go into the Midianite camp, for I have given you victory over them. But if you are afraid to attack, I love how God gives a, a help here. But if you are afraid to attack, because he was, I want you to go down to the camp with your servant. Listen to what the Midianites are saying. You're going to be greatly encouraged. Then you will be eager to attack. So Gideon took his friend with him, went down to the edge of the enemy camp. The armies of Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east all settled in the valley like swarm of locusts. There were so many of them that they couldn't see, and it said that their camels were like grains of sand on the seashore. Too many to count. This sounds terrible for a group of 300 men, right? How do I overcome what's in front of me is what he's thinking. 
Oftentimes we fall short of the victory because we let the giant in front of us overshadow what God told us to do. And see, when God sees mountains, he already sees them moving, but we see something unable to overcome. And he said, go down and you will be encouraged. Sometimes we pull the parachute too quickly, stick to the plan. Gideon crept up just as a man was telling his companion about a dream. The man said, I had this dream, and in this dream, a loaf of barley bread came tumbling down into the Midianite camp. It hit a tent, turned it over, and knocked it flat. His companion answered, your dream can only mean one thing. That God that we've heard about, he's given that guy that we heard about, named Gideon, the Israelites, victory over the Midianite army and all of its allies. I stopped on this one because these are Midianite men that they are going to fight against, Pastor. How can this even be? What fame does Gideon have and his army have to even make them think that this is even possible? And I came back to that last chapter in Judges 6, verse 34, when it said, Then the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power. That's the difference. That's the absolute difference. Watch this. When Gideon had the dream, when he heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed in worship. That's the next posture you must have. The word of the Lord, and I am bowing in posture for what you're saying to me. I am praising through my victory. And then what he does is he, he bows down and he worships the Lord. Then he returned to the Israelite camp and he shouted, get up. And the Lord gave me this word. Nose up. Get your nose up. Get your nose up. See, because this, I'll tell you to you. It says this, when I came to the edge of the camp, I want you to know what I've seen. But if you're looking at how we're going to potentially fail, you can't see what I see. Get your nose up. Get your nose up. There's something about those 300 men that understood what it meant to get your nose up. Those are the 300 men that drank with their nose up. They were alert, they were aware. This is what he says, as soon as I and those that are with me blow these ram's horns, I want you to blow yours too, and he separates them into two other groups, there's three of them. And he says this, we are gonna go around the entire camp and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. It was just after midnight, after the changing of the guard, when Gideon said, said it took 100 men with him and reached the edge of the Midianite camp. Suddenly they blew their ram's horns, broke their clay jars that had this light inside them. Then all three groups blew their horns, broke their jars that were, hand, that were held blazing torches in their left hands and the horns in their right hands. And they all shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Each man stood at his position around the camp and watched as the Midianites rushed around in panic, shouting as they ran to escape when the 300 Israelites blew their ram's horn. Then it says the Lord caused the warriors in the camp to fight against each other with their own swords. Those who were not killed uh, fled to places as far away as they could see into other borders. Then Gideon sent for the warriors of Naphtali, Asher, and Manasseh, who joined in chasing the armies to chase the rest of these people down. See, the thing is, is you think you need more, but he's given you all that you need in order to take ground. You have to bind together and believe what he is doing because he's building a close-knit group of people right here in this camp. And if you don't think it's enough, God thinks it's, it's absolutely enough. 
And see, the only way that you're going to overcome what you think that you need to overcome is if you actually believe and take a step. And that means each of you. Sometimes, he wants us to be leaned in, believing in each other. Dion, play with me right here. Pastor Antoine, I wrote this down for you. They had to shed some weight in order to gain victory. Not everyone is supposed to be in your camp. And it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Because he has so many more coming for your camp. And he is going to bring the right people to do what he has called you to do. And you are God's man in this camp. But you don't fully believe it. And you're looking for affirmation. And today is your day. Do, do not lead this camp without knowing he is fully behind you. And he is making a way for you. He's absolutely making a way. Sometimes you have to visualize your destiny before you can walk it out. You got to see it. Justin, you ready to throw these verses up there? Deuteronomy 31. It says, when Moses had finished giving these instructions to all the people in Israel, he said, I am now 120 years old and I'm no longer able to lead you. The Lord has told me you will not cross the Jordan River. Yet he did all of the work to get them there. But the Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy the nations living there. And he will take possessions of their land. Joshua will lead you across the river just as the Lord promised. So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail nor abandon you. Then Moses called for Joshua, and all Israel watched this. And he said to him, I want you to be so strong and very courageous. For you will lead these people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors, and he will give them all of that land. You are the one who will divide it among them as their grants of the land. Do not be afraid or discouraged. And pastor, this is your word. For the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you and he will neither fail nor abandon you. And many times you can unlock that roadmap and try to look at that map, but you're looking at your current situation. He's telling you guys, don't look back. Nose up. He's ahead of you. He's fighting your battle. You can't go beyond without your nose up. Beyond takes you looking up. Beyond takes you stretching. Nose up. The supernatural roadmap, roadmap can't be seen in your presence. With your nose down in the current, it can't be seen. He's doing a new thing in here. And you got to get your nose up in order to see him moving. You may not see it in the natural, but know that he is for you. His word is alive and it's real. He can't give you victory over the giants you face until you are faithful with the first things. Nose up. Tear down the altars. Take a step. Look up. Nose up. The map becomes clear when you look to the one who wrote it. Your future is one of great harvest. But it's going to take you leaning on the one who wrote the map. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord 
will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you and he will neither fail nor abandon you. Nose up. You can't see beyond with looking up. That concludes this week's message. If you are blessed by anything you heard in today's podcast and you feel like to give, feel free to text the word GIVE to 704-741-3705. And if you are in Kannapolis, Charlotte, or surrounding areas, come on by and visit us at 465 South Cannon Boulevard in Kannapolis, North Carolina, Sundays at 1033. You can also join us online Sundays on Facebook and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to us and also check us out on Instagram under Think Kingdom. As always, you can go back and hear this message and so many more right here on our Think Kingdom podcast.